Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a weekly podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. Their story was magical, almost like something out of a movie. Longtime Cleveland TV personality, Jan Jones, and a renowned plastic surgeon, Dr. Sheldon Arts, or Shelley, as we came to know him, fell in love and began a journey together that would challenge the strongest of couples. In the early 90s, Dr. Arts had suffered not one, but two heart attacks. He endured a triple bypass and suffered heart failure before he became a candidate for heart transplant in 2002. Dr. Arts waited over 90 days at the Cleveland Clinic before a matching heart became available. And everyone, including Jan, thought this was the answer to their prayers. Unfortunately, after the surgeons removed Dr. Arts's damaged heart and transplanted the donor heart, it did not begin to beat. Hi, you're listening to episode 70 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. Dr. Arts was kept alive on a bypass machine while waiting for a second donated heart to become available. When things looked impossible, another silent hero and their family stepped forward to give the gift of life. Miraculously, the second donated heart worked and the transplant was successful. And like a cherry on top of a sundae, the second transplant took place on Valentine's Day. Jan, thank you so much for being with us today and talking about Dr. Arts and the profound impact his heart transplant had on your life. He was a walking miracle, wasn't he? Oh, Colleen, to hear you say the story like that just gave me goosebumps all over again and a grin from ear to ear because Shelley was a warrior from beginning to end, and he was bigger than life. And I do believe that that's part of why he succeeded through all of these physical setbacks because he loved life and embraced life and wanted to live. And that's half the ballgame right there. You're right. What were some of the things that you recall from that time? It must have been so scary for you and your family. Yes, he had had heart failure and he had struggled back and forth and and we knew, and he would say to the clinic, you know, let me be your guinea pig. He was, he was a surgeon, so he knew what was happening. And through the years, whatever they could come up with, whatever they were experimenting on, you know, put a, a valve in my heart and keep it beating for a couple of years, and you'll come up with something else that'll keep me alive again. I'm your man. And sure enough, they did. Until one day when we went in, in November, for an assessment and a meeting, and I'll never forget, it was Dr. Hobbs who sat us down and said, Shelly, there's nothing more that we can do for you. You have two choices. You can stay here right now and wait for a heart transplant or go home and, um, and live the last days of your life, which, of course, was, was not an option to us, but we were shocked. And Colleen, I remember saying, and this would give you an indication of what we were like, we looked at him and we said, but, but we have a ski trip planned at the beginning of the year. Can't we do this after the trip? Priorities, right? Priorities. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, of course, it was not an option. 
And uh, the long and the short of it was that he, he did go into the hospital. And I remember coming home in disbelief and every night driving from the Cleveland Clinic out to the Chagrin Valley where we lived and thinking, this, this is science fiction. And he's going to prove this to be good and right. And he's going to make it. I must say, and I have to tell you this, I have great faith. I'm Roman Catholic and I, I do practice my faith and I absolutely believe in the Holy Spirit and called on him more than he, more than he knew I was going to. And I would visualize Shelley's procedures and visualize his success and his healing over and over. And I had an amazing army of prayers across the country who were helping not only Shelley, but me to stay strong and healthy for him. So I, I remember that greatly. When he went into the hospital, I don't know if you remember, they used to call it the walking dead because th- during those days you had to be in the hospital and you walked around with an IV pole and a melanone drip into your heart to keep it going. And so I'm not a morning person, so I'd come later in the day and then I'd spend all afternoon and evening until midnight and just be with him and walk. And I can remember him coming to the end of the hallway out, out in the hall to watch me as I exited the old building and would wave up to him in the snow, because this was December, January, February, and, and go into the parking lot, which is now where J3 is, Colleen, where the heart transplant and heart failure patients are seen. And that's where I would go every night you know, and wave goodbye to him to get the car and go home. He was uh, amazing. He was a cheerleader. He was always walking the halls. He told other people who were waiting for heart transplant that they had to stay healthy and strong so that when their time came, they would be ready. We had a little putting green in his room so that he could putt a little bit. He started to mark the walls. No kidding. He had a piece of chalk and he would like he was in prison and he would mark, you know, one, two, three, four, cross the five on the wall to count the days. When they did finally have a heart for him, they couldn't find him because he was walking the halls. And that's a true story. They they had to page him to come in for, for his heart. I mean, he just was a magnificent man, a magnificent man. Even in ICU, when the first heart transplant failed, um, and I remember coming in to see him, and, and I will tell you, I would cry all the way home, and then I'd come back into the clinic, and I would play wonderful music and so that I could come in singing to him. And I can remember coming into ICU and how unbelievably, unfailingly marvelous the caregivers, the nurses, the staff, the doctors, the techs were at the clinic at every level and at ICU. And when he finally, you know, was able to get out of bed after being kept alive on machines and he was, you know, he'd hallucinate and he would tell funny stories. And of course, we would all egg him on to keep telling the stories. And then afterward, I asked him if he remembered and he said he absolutely did remember. Oh, my goodness. He knew exactly what he was saying. (laughs) So he had his sense of humor, even during the hardest times. I remember, Jan, that day that the second heart came in and the Mm. joy that spread through this building was palpable. I mean, we all were cheering for him and for you. And it was an amazing thing. I mean, people don't get to heart transplants like that. 24 hours. 24 hours span. Yeah. And he knew what a miracle it was and fought for another, what, three months in the hospital to, um, 
to keep that going and to stay strong. Because he had to start all over again. I mean, he was gone. I think when I came in, this was after the second heart transplant, they had sclerosed his lungs and he had a big barrel chest. And uh, I came into the room where he was, you know, half asleep laying there and realized that there was nothing. He was skin and bones. And if it weren't for that big rib cage of his, the blanket would have just engulfed him. And that was the first time that I think I allowed myself to just fall apart mm. because I realized how far he had come and we were together, we were going to build him back up and, um, and boy, what a team it took. And, and we did. And we did. You certainly did. Dr. Arts enjoyed 15 years post-transplant. He had 15 really great years. Sadly, he passed away in November of 2017. But you guys must have built so many fabulous memories in those years. What were some of the highlights that come to mind when you think about those extra years you had with, with Dr. Art? <laughs> he was so good to me, Colleen, because he knew that I had a, a little bit of wanderlust in me. And I, I, I love being home, but then I love to travel. And he would say, oh, honey, we could see it better on the Discovery Channel with the clicker, right? And then the next thing I'd know, he was in full mode planning the most wonderful, wonderful trips. And we did. We traveled the world. We traveled around the Black Sea. And we went to, oh, and when we went to Russia, this is a, a typical Shelley art. So we had a couple of days, three days, I think, in St. Petersburg. And there was an option of a flight to Moscow for the day. And we had friends prior to the trip saying, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. That's a really, really tough. I mean, it's all day and you come back and you haven't had any sleep and it's impossible. Well, when it came our turn to make the decision, of course, he said, we're going to do that. We're never going to be back here again. This is our chance. And that, of course, is the land of the midnight sun. So, you know, you never know what time it is. It's always daylight. And indeed, one day we got on Moscow Airlines and we went to Moscow, spent the day. <laughs> he wanted to see all the buildings from all those Cold War movies and spy novels that he had read. It was great and came back and you know, who knew that it was you know midnight when we came back, but he wasn't going to miss a thing. And that's kind of how he was throughout life. We were skiers and in between setbacks, and we had many in those 15 years, but in between them and each time that he would build his strength up again, we would ski. And we skied Montana and Wyoming and Utah and Colorado. I mean, Shelly would ask me, what do you want for your birthday, honey? My birthday was in January. And I always said, I want to go skiing. And I know he only did it for me. Aww. And it was, he was so wonderful and strong. We called him, by the way, General Bull Moose, because he used to say, I know what's right for me and I know what's right for everybody else if they'd only listen. So he became <laughs> Grandpa Bull Moose, Moose, GBM. And, <laughs> and he was, he was like a big bull moose and he was just the most wonderful guy. And I, I must say, the transplant games. Oh, they were heaven. We went up to Wisconsin. We were out in Houston. He played doubles tennis with John Hingley, and, who was a young guy and a great tennis player. And those two guys took gold one year and took silver one year. I mean, they beat the young guys. And it was all stamina, strength, and that will to win. I mean, he was, we were so proud of that. It was a, an amazing time. And that's probably way, why he did so well, because he did have that bull moose in him, you know? 
<laughs> oh, oh, absolutely and for sure. And I and and God bless him. You know, I always said to you that he took more breath than God ever allowed him or believed that he would take. I mean, to the last moment. And he was as kind and loving and dear and strong and smart and generous and romantic and funny and corny. And he, he never stopped ever being himself. It, it, he was a wonder. He really was. I just loved Shelley Arts. I more than loved him. I admired, respected, appreciated, and adored him. He filled my heart and my soul. He made me laugh. He still lives with me and in me because I just thought the world of him. People say, you know, the ones they love are also their best friends, their buddies, their confidants. Well, yes, I had it all in Dr. Art. He used to call him the Jan P, Jan P. Jones. So when I talked to him, he still is Dr. Arts. I just adored him. Well, Jan, I think we got it right in the beginning that your relationship with Dr. Arts was really something that you see in movies. We all appreciate Dr. Arts and you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, he was a rascal. He had a, <laughs> he had mischief in his eyes, you know, that twinkle and that big grin, and he was so wise. So that's quite a combination. One of a kind. <laughs> I'm delighted to announce that Jan will be back with us next week to continue the conversation and discuss the advocacy work that she and Dr. Arts have done to promote organ eye and tissue donation, as well as what she's going to be up to on behalf of LifeBank. You won't want to miss that for sure. We hope you found today's episode inspiring and informative. Let's Talk About Life can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, and other podcast providers. And of course, always on lifebank.org slash resources. We encourage you to subscribe and we invite you back next week. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is depending on it.